0: So here, here we go. We're, we're gonna wrap up our symphony series. We've been in this series, this is the fourth week. We've been talking about this idea of loving God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength. E- each week we've been pouring these glasses of water into this big jar. And what's crazy is every week we get a different color. So I'm curious, I'm curious to see what color we get this week. But loving God with all your heart. All of your mind. It looks like it's going to be green today. All of your soul. And then all of your strength. By by the way, has anyone figured out how to get the colors that we poured in back out yet? Because I still have it. Because I can talk about all of these things working in unison and working together and being collective and whole as one. But if I ask someone to come up and to pull all the blue water back out, loving God with all of your mind, if I ask you to pull the blue water back out, raise your hand. Anybody in the room, do you think you could do it? I was like all across the room. nobody's hands going up. Somebody's hand going up. Oh, you're scratching your head. You're, I, I was like, you got it figured out. Come on. But loving God with all of your mind, all of your soul, with all of your strength, and loving God with all of your heart. What I've recognized is this over the past four weeks. No matter how hard we try to separate those four, we just can't do it. We, we can't do it. But what happens is we try to separate things in our life. And we try to categorize them. And oh, well, I will give God this part of my life. And I'll give God part of this part of my life. But, but when it comes to certain parts of my life, I don't know if I trust God fully with it. So I'm going to try to separate it and segment it. And what happens is you end up living a fractured life. You, you end up living a life that's not whole, that's not complete. Go back to Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28. I'll read the scripture, our theme scripture. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them Debating. Let me set the scene for you. So Jesus is sitting down with the Pharisees, and he, he's sitting down with the Sadducees. And, and I imagine there's a group of people kind of surrounding them, and they're leaning in, and they're listening. And what we know in Scripture is they were debating back and forth. So the Pharisees would present these questions, and Jesus would give a response. And what they recognized is that Jesus was actually giving really good responses. Jesus was giving responses that were so up to par to the letter of the law that they couldn't refute what he was saying. Scripture says this, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them. So Jesus is giving good answers and the Pharisee tries to trap Jesus by saying this, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus responds with these words. The most important Jesus answers is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. We've talked about this the past three weeks, and I'll mention it again. Notice how Jesus starts. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So even in that statement, Jesus exclaims that, that, listen, you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's the triune Godhead. We're all together as one. They can't be separated. And Genesis tells us that we're all created in the image of God. And when God created us, he created us with distinct entities, with our heart, with our mind, with our soul, and with our strength or with our bodies, So so as we dive into this a bit more, even, even if we look at the original Greek, if we look at the definitions of these words, they're so interwoven together. Let me break it down for you. The original Greek word for heart is cardia. And the definition is this, the effective center of our being, the inner man, the seat of thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purpose, and endeavor. So the cardia or the heart. But what about the soul? The soul in the original Greek is the shuka. What's the definition of the shuka? It's the seed of feelings, desires, and affections. Well, Zach, didn't you just read that for the heart? Yeah, because they're interconnected. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. What about in the original Greek? In the original Greek, the mind is also known as the dianoia, and the dianoia is deep thought or reasoning. The mind has a way of thinking and feeling. And what about strength? In the original Greek, is the excuse, and the excuse is strength, might, power, or an inner force. Even these definitions can be a bit frustrating sometimes. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. I hope by now, like four weeks in, we would recognize that we can't separate these four. I hope by now we would recognize that when scripture says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, we would recognize that it's not a suggestion, but it's actually a commandment. Jesus didn't suggest like, hey, if you do this, you can kind of waver from it if you want to. Jesus isn't suggesting that. What Jesus is stating is, listen, these things aren't mutually exclusive. They always belong together. Even physically, there's such an inner connection because research shows us that physical organs like your heart actually have cellular memory just like your brain does. Zach, what are you talking about? If someone were to get a heart transplant, hey, Micah, I just saw you guys. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to call you out, but I can do that. It's because I have a microphone. Good to see you guys. Listen, if I've been inviting you to church and I see you, I will stop and tell you, hey. But listen, the, the heart has, has a uh, memory just like the brain does. So what, what do I mean by that? People that have heart transplants don't just get new organs. They actually get new desires as well. So go to, like chase down that rabbit trail a bit. So if you get a heart transplant and you used to not like broccoli and you get a new heart, there's a, there's a opportunity, that you'll like broccoli again. Some of y'all are like I need to eat more vegetables. So I need a heart transplant, right? But your organs have cellular memory as well. What do we know about the brain? This is what we know about the brain. The brain has a right hemisphere and a left hemisphere. There's two parts to your brain. What we also know is that the right side of your brain controls the left side of your body, and the left side of your brain controls the right side of your body. What else do we know about the brain? What else do we know about the mind? The right brain controls more of your emotions, your feelings, and your creativity, while the left side of your brain is a bit more analytical. It likes problem solving and systems and numbers. So let's geek out just a bit more. What I've recognized is that there's actually an emotional connection to physical health as well. Anybody ever been through a bad breakup? (laughs) Y'all were like, "Uh, yeah, but I don't want to talk about it in church. (laughs) But it's like going through a bad breakup. I got to tell them myself. So Jenna and I were dating. You can see where this story is going. Jenna and I were dating. We've probably been dating for a couple of months. And I traveled a lot for work when, when, I, when we first started dating. And I was in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I was there for a little over a week. And, and every single day that I was there, I was whitewater rafting. So much so that uh, about day three or four, I called Jenna. She's down in Florida. I'm in Chattanooga. And I say, hey, I think I'm going to quit my job, sell everything, and move to Chattanooga to become a whitewater guide. I think I was having a quarter-life crisis is what I think I was doing. And Jenna's not dealing with nonsense. And so what she does, she goes, okay, well, then I guess it's over. So she breaks up with me. I think that's the first time that I've ever said it publicly that you broke up with me because I think I've always said that we kind of mutually decided to break up with each other. But, but the fact of the matter is she broke up with me. I go back down to Florida, and I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, I'm not going to be a white water guide. And we had this big bonfire at the school and uh, I rem- man, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was looking to my right and there was this big bonfire and I could see Jenna by the fire and, and emotionally something happened to me. Emotionally, I was like, man, I really screwed that one up. <laughs> and, then, and then I started seeing guys flirt with her and you know what, it, it just ticked me off. And then after I was done being mad, it just made me physically sick Has anybody ever been there in your life? Maybe you've gone through a bad breakup or you have a big decision that you have to make. And for some reason, you feel physically sick. It's because these four things can't be separated. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength. So as thoughts start coming in your head, oftentimes, if they're hard decisions or big decisions, they affect us physically. If I go back to the water again, they can't be separated. What we have to recognize is this. Without God, you and I have to acknowledge that we're fractured. Without God, you and I have to acknowledge that we're broken. But God wants us to live whole. And oftentimes, we can have our heart in the right place. We can have our our bodies in the right place. We can even have our souls in the right place. But all of this comes unraveled when we get inside of our own head. I don't know about you, but, but sometimes my thought life is the worst place that I can be. So to wrap up this series of symphony, loving God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength, today we want to focus on the mind. And what does it look like to stop the runaway train of thought? What does it look like to truly love God with all of your mind? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 5, says this. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Newsflash. We're all going to have negative thoughts. Like, like newsflash. There there are thoughts that are going to come in your head that you don't want there. But the reality of it is, it doesn't matter the thoughts that come in. It matters what you do with it. It matters how far you let yourself go down the rabbit hole. If you're taking notes, if you're you're jotting them down, write this down. The enemy wants us to live fractured, but God wants to bring wholeness. The enemy always wants to fracture us. Why? Because if the enemy can peel us off just a bit, if the enemy can separate one of these four components, the enemy is the devil, if he can separate one of these four components, then he can win. I I love history. I love war. Anybody, any like war buffs in the room? Like I I love reading history. I love watching documentaries. And and two of my favorite individuals to read about is Napoleon Bonaparte, not Napoleon Dynamite. Some of y'all are like, I know that guy. Napoleon Bonaparte, right? And Stonewall Jackson. It's because of the way they approached battle, the way they approached war. In 1796, Napoleon Bonaparte was on his first campaign in Italy during the French Revolutionary War. He had about 37,000 men, and, and he, he was facing 52,000 other soldiers. He was outnumbered by 15,000 individuals, but he won that campaign. Why? Because history tells us that he would separate or fracture the enemy, attack them there, and then move to another part. He wouldn't face the enemy head on. He would try to peel off just a few thousand soldiers and attack them with full force. Stonewall Jackson did the same thing. Uh, In 1862, he was on a Shenandoah Valley campaign. This is what I love about this this story. Stonewall Jackson had 17,000 men. Sounds like a lot. But history tells us that with those 17,000 men, he defeated an army of 60,000 men. He was outnumbered more than three times and still he won. How? He fractured the enemy. He would separate components of the 60,000, 2, 3, 4, 5,000 at a time, attack them, back off, separate some more, attack them, back off, and that's how 17,000 men defeated 60,000. He fractured his enemy. Listen, if the enemy can fracture you, if he can get you to separate your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, then he can and he will inevitably win. So let's dive a bit deeper into scripture. Proverbs chapter 14, starting in verse 30, says this, A sound mind makes for a robust body, but runaway emotions corrode the bones. Anybody ever felt like they've had runaway emotions? Because I've been there before, and and I have to remind you that the devil is your enemy. I can talk like philosophically, but the devil is absolutely your enemy. There is no situation that you can coexist with the devil. There is no situation that there's a win-win for you and the enemy to kind of do his own thing. Scripture tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be alert and of sober what? Of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So what's he trying to do? He's trying to get you to separate and fracture your life so he can attack you in that area. Anybody ever seen the movie Runaway Train, 1985? Raise your hand if you've ever seen the movie Runaway There's like four of you in the room. Everybody over the age of 45 is raising their hand right now. But Runaway Train, it came out in 1985. It's about these two convicts that break out of prison. They jump on this train. Here's the problem with the train. The conductor has a heart attack. He dies, and this train is barreling down the track so fast that the inmates can't jump off the train to get away. I, I don't know about you, but that's my thought life sometimes. My thoughts can get going so fast, barreling down this train track that I can't even jump off, and, and I find myself going down this rabbit trail of thoughts, so much so that Friday night, man, I kept waking up about every hour and a half, every two hours, and I would wake up and it was like my mind was racing. Anybody ever been there? Like you wake up at night, you're like, what in the, What was I thinking about when I was sleeping? But it's like you're thinking about the most critical things that, that are on, on your mind. Maybe it's your to-do list. Maybe it's a conversation you have to have the next day. Maybe it's a decision that you need to make, but you almost wake up thinking those thoughts, And in that moment, I was like, Lord, I am too tired to be thinking about this. Can you just take these thoughts away so I can go back to bed? But if we're not careful, our thought life can begin to run rampant. Many of us in the room, we've got a relationship with Jesus. Our hearts are in the right spot. Many of us in the room, we know where where we're going. Pastor Isaiah asked us last week, hey, how is your soul? Many of us could answer, man, my soul is doing okay. After we dove into the message of taking care of your body, I know many of us in the room, you're at least making steps to become a a better physical version of yourself. But but for some reason, for some reason, our mind's a tricky part. Our our brain is where we can get trapped. If we're not careful, our minds can become become our own personal prisons. What I believe is this, life's battles are won and lost in your own head. Life's battles are won and lost in your own own head. Psychologist Carol Dweck, I've mentioned her a couple times at church, but she has this concept between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. A fixed mindset would say, hey, because of your past, because of your family, because of the situations that you're facing, you're going to be fixed in this area of your life regardless of what you do. There's nothing you can do to get out of this rut. There's nothing that, that you can do to overcome I don't believe that, but many people act as if they have this fixed mindset. She also writes about this other type of mindset called a growth mindset. And a growth mindset says this, hey, listen, regardless of what life throws at you, you get to determine how it's going to affect you. Regardless of what happens to you in life, you get to determine how you're going to face those situations. It's the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. We see this all the time in sports as well. Listen, this is what I I realized early on. I'm never going to be the fastest person on a field. I'm never going to be the strongest person on the field. I'm never going to be the most athletic person on the field. I'm never going to be the most talented person on the field. But if you've ever competed against me in anything, especially on our men's retreat when we played flag football, you know that I have a gold medal and I'm a world champion in trash talking. (laughs) I can trash talk with the best of them. And I learned that early on competing because I was always the small guy. I had to have a leg up somewhere, and the best that I could do was trash talk because this is what I've realized. If you can get inside of your enemy or your opponent's head, then 90% of the battle is already won. What I love to do is I love talking trash, and when I know I'm in somebody's head, when I know know they're focusing on what I'm saying more than, than the task at hand, when I know they're focusing more on what I'm saying than who they're guarding or, or, or the play that's about to happen, I'll just kind of subtly walk by them and go, hey, man, you're letting me live rent-free. Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Well, see, I already got you. But I'm living rent-free in your head. You're thinking about what I'm saying. You're thinking about what I'm doing. And I feel like that's what the enemy tries to do to us. The enemy wants to live rent-free in your head. The enemy wants to take up space In your mind it's exactly what he does with our thoughts the devil loves to drop thoughts on this runaway thought train and he wants to live rent-free then you begin to focus on those thoughts you begin to focus on what's going on in your mind opposed to what God has called you to do the devil loves to turn our minds into this depot for this runaway train and here's the scary part if you're like me it only takes one thought. It only takes one thought to get it going. And those thoughts can come at some of the most inopportune times. But, but maybe you've had thoughts like this. It's like, hey, why didn't, why didn't he say hey to me when he walked by me? Why didn't she greet me like she usually does when I walk in to work? Well, I, guess, I guess something bad is going to happen today. I guess something bad's going to happen to my family because this day already hasn't started off on the right foot. You walk into church and you're like, well, nobody told me they liked my outfit today, so I guess I wasn't pretty today. Well, the, pa- the pastor didn't talk to me as long as he usually does in the lobby, so I guess, I guess, he's, not, I guess he's not my friend anymore. No- nobody talked to me when I, when I sat down in my chair like they did last week. I guess they've already forgotten about me. Well, why hasn't that person texted me back yet? Why haven't I gotten a phone call from that friend who usually calls me during the week? And then social media is the worst of all. We, like, post a picture. I'm going to call some people out right now. But you post a picture. You go back a couple hours later. One, you're looking to see how many likes you got. But now you've taken it a step further. You click on the likes. And you start scrolling through the names that have liked your picture or your post. And then when you don't see names that usually like your post, some of y'all are smiling at me like, oh, crap, he's calling me out. But when you don't see names that usually like your post, you're like, well, I guess we're not friends anymore. And you've gotten so bad that you'll post a story, and now you go back to see who's looked at your story instead of just your post. But but we get wrapped up inside of our own head, our own minds, so much so that if somebody doesn't like a post, we say, well, I guess they don't like me anymore. And that thought train is just running rampant. But what about 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse five? We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. If you're taking notes, write this down: Wrong thoughts lead to runaway emotions and exhausted lives. I don't know about you, but it's like when, when Jenna and I broke up let me rephrase that. It's like when Jenna broke up with me. Uh, it's like I was em- I, was emotionally, I was emotionally sick. I was worn down because I let my thoughts run. Rampant. It leads to an exhausted life. You're you're so concerned with the worst case scenario. You're so concerned with, with what the outcome could be that you get fixated on that opposed to the situation at hand. But right thoughts lead to healthy emotions and energized lives. When I first traveled to London, man, it was a bit overwhelming because to get anywhere in London, it felt like you had to travel by train. And what I loved about London is there was one main train depot where everything kind of came in and exited from, and it was called King's Cross Grand Central Station. It's a beautiful train station, but our mind is just like that train depot. You may not control every thought that comes in your mind, but you get to control every thought that rides on the train. You get to control every thought that you let go down the rabbit trail. Jack Nicholas says this about playing golf. He says, once the gun has gone off, you keep quiet and you get on with the job as best you can. The more you let your mind dwell on negatives of whatever type, the larger they grow and the greater the risk that they will convert into excuses. I've preferred to save my energy for finding solutions to problematic conditions rather than waste time on whining. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, the King James Version, that's for you, Curtis Wise, says this, For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. Young's translation says this, As he hath thought in his soul, so he is. Again, notice that inner connection. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. What we clinically see sometimes is that a thought can become a habit, and habits can become Lifestyles. So, how do we stop this runaway thought in our head? Remember back that your mind is like a train depot. I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come back up. But there's two things that I want you to write down. And the first one is this control what thoughts you let ride. You get to absolutely control the thoughts that you let continue to to swirl around in your head. You've heard the saying, you are what you eat. Well, the same thing goes with your mind. You are what you eat. And some of our mental diets are absolute junk. You are what you let in your mind. What are you allowing in your head? I couldn't imagine anyone in this room walking up to another individual and saying something along the lines of this, hey, you're not worthy enough. Hey, you're not good enough to do that task. You're not talented enough to do what God has called you to do. You don't look pretty enough in that outfit. Nobody's going to like you for who you are. We would never say that point blank to someone. But for some reason, we treat ourselves worse than we would ever treat anyone else. We say things to ourselves that we would never say to someone else. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says this, Do not conform to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't conform to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And for some of us in the room, the renewing of your mind is you changing the way you think and you talk about yourself. What thoughts are you letting in your brain? The second thing I want you to write down is this. You control what train the thoughts get on. You get to control where they go. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You have the option to take captive every single thought that passes through your head. Listen, it, I, I probably wouldn't be a pastor if y'all could like see the thoughts that are going through my head sometimes like if you're honest with yourself the scariest thing that you could probably ever think of is someone actually recognizing and realizing the thoughts that you actually have throughout the day i've got some crazy thoughts sometimes i can't always control what goes in but i can control if it stays there it's like man where'd that where'd that thought come from you almost get frustrated with yourself that you have these thoughts don't get frustrated with yourself that you have the thoughts It's what you do with them that matters. I talked about the movie. Uh, I talked about a couple of the movies that have like runaway trains in them. Talked about runaway train. I could talk about speed. I could talk about money train. Anybody ever seen Pelham 123? Could talk about that one. I could talk about the commuter with Liam Neeson. Anybody? No? Couple of you? Great. What about Derail with Jean-Claude Van Damme? I just put his name in there because I wanted to say it. (laughs) Jean-Claude. Like it's just fun. But I could talk about all of these movies with these runaway trains and all of these movies in with someone taking control of the runaway train. Too many of us have allowed our thoughts to run away for far too long. Too many of us allow ourselves to have these thoughts over and over and over again. I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. I can't do what God's calling me to do. It's not in me. I'm not talented enough. And you begin to back yourself in a hole, put yourself in a corner, because you, you've, you've messed yourself up with your own thought life. That's not who God calls you. God calls you son. God calls you daughter. God calls you redeemed. God calls you beloved. God doesn't call you by your mistakes. Oftentimes what we do is we'll replay our mistakes over and over in our head. Anybody else? Just me in the room? Like I just play my mistakes over and over and over again. Well, I can never do this because I did that. That's not the way the cross works. That's not the way Jesus works. Jesus, Jesus says, hey, you've been forgiven. Now he says, don't, don't go back that way. Follow me. But it starts with the renewing of our minds. All across this room, if I could ask you to stand. This is the way that we're going to end today. We're going to step back into worship. The band's going to lead us. And this is what I want you to do. Man, if you've been having negative thoughts, if you've been having impure thoughts, if you've been having thoughts that that don't align with who God has called you, today you get to make the decision to get rid of them it's that simple you make the decision hey thanks for joining us today at multiply church we can't wait to see you again next week either in person or online as we continue to love jesus and change the world